Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by HF Plus, with myself, Steve Nussbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Southstand chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode number 226. And as always, thanks to everyone who tuned into last week's show. Much appreciate you doing that. Um, This week, we've got two games to quickly review. Uh, We've got loads of views as well. Um, But we've got a brace of interviews for you this week, Uh, a bit like buses. Uh, we are delighted. We are delighted to bring Hector Kipriano's first ever interview from outside of the club. So to a fan-run media, we got that first interview with him, and he is an absolutely outstanding young man. So we were delighted to have him, and we caught up with him earlier today. And also, uh, obviously, as everybody's aware, we are going to be allowed back into the Bray Group Stadium soon. So there's been a lot spoken about that on social media. The club have been fantastic in putting out what they can put out, but there still seems to be a few outstanding questions. And we were very fortunate, again, earlier today to catch up with CEO Danny Macklin and also media manager Luke Lambourne. So they're coming up uh, very shortly, actually. And Hector will be later uh, in the podcast. But as always, let's get this party started here in your ears. And as always, we crack on with a message about our sponsor. Yeah, there's no final way to start this party of episode 226. And she's giving a shout out to AJF Blastering, who proudly sponsor the Orient Outlook podcast. As you all must know, these guys are an Essex based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems and please please do I have to say this every week yes I do because they sponsor the pod <laughs> that they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff so if you want more info from AJF Plastering you can get these by visiting the website which is ajfplastering.co.uk or you can email them at ajfplastering at outlook.com they're all over social media AJF Plastering on Facebook and Instagram or if you're on Twitter have a look for big ads, LOFC, to get your age of plastering fixed. But a great company. And if you need any work done, go visit any of their websites or their social media accounts to get your 15% off. Absolutely. So moving on then, a little bit of great AOB this week to bring you. We had the following message from Janine Adelman, who said, Another new O's fan born this week to lifelong fan and their nephew, James Masters, who many will probably know, 100% record so far with them watching us on the live stream. So welcome to the world, uh, uh, James's new baby. We don't know if it's a boy or a girl or if it's been named yet. So congratulations to everybody in the Masters family. We hope everybody is safe and well and absolutely healthy. I heard names being touted were Ross, uh, Theo, Nigel, uh, Danny. Danny Johnson, Fox in the Box. <laughs> so let's move on in the week that was. So very busy week, starting on Monday the 23rd of November, when the government announced that a number, a limited number of fans, would be returning to sporting events from Wednesday the 2nd of December, but based on the tier system. So following this, the O's put out a statement and a thorough FAQ page, which Paul kind of roughly touched upon at the beginning, of the podcast. So there's loads to bring you up to date on. So we, for one, will try and get Danny Macklin on the podcast to talk us through the processes, through the tier system, through the social bubbles to give a bit more explanation. And we got him on the pod along with media manager Luke Lambourne to hopefully give you a better understanding 
of the way this is all going to work. So here is Danny and Luke from earlier today. Joining us now on the Orient Outlook podcast, we are delighted to welcome Leighton Orient CEO Danny Macklin, as well as Head of Media Luke Lamborn. Gents, thanks very much for uh, sparing us some time to clarify what seems to be a little bit of a minefield, and I guess it's probably as much of a minefield for you guys trying to get your heads around it as it is for us fans to try and understand it. Danny, if I can uh, come to you first. Um, Leighton is a Tier 2 um, categorised area. Um, so just help us understand, um, I guess, how that impacts people coming into the stadium and who can and, I guess, who can't come to the stadium. I know there's a, a good FAQ, but just, I guess, if you could sum it up for us, that would be a great starting point. Yeah, I hope both you, uh, Paul and Steve, are well. Uh, obviously, after a very good uh, free back-to-back victories, uh, it's certainly an enjoyable uh, Sunday to spend. So, yeah, we, we were obviously given the guidance uh, Friday. Uh, some of it came on Thursday, obviously, once the tier was announced, announced that the Brown Group Stadium and later, and obviously, London was in Tier 2. Uh, that was probably what we all expected. We probably hoped for Tier 1 and feared Tier 3. Having spoke to a number of counterparts, including my counterpart yesterday at Port Vale, they are obviously in Tier 3, and it'll be a while probably before those clubs. I think I did some maths. Half of the teams in our uh, league are in Tier 3, and the rest, like ourselves, are in Tier 2. So that provides some complexities. There'll be you know, games we go to in the next couple of weeks, potentially Morecambe and Scunthorpe, that will continue, sadly, to be behind closed doors. But for us, when we welcome Bristol Rovers and the Papa John's Trophy next uh, Tuesday, we will do so with a trial crowd of a 1,000. That's done so that we can test all of our systems. We not only have new COVID measures uh, there, but we've also got a new ticketing system going live, which is far from ideal doing all that at once. But because of COVID, that's what's had to happen. So, yeah, the the Tier 2 does give it some complexities. Uh, I want to praise, first and foremost, the staff that have been literally working night and day uh, a good number of staff, I won't name them all because it will it it take a few minutes and if I miss anyone, it wouldn't be right. But they've done a huge amount of work to firstly understand the rules themselves. Uh, I'll be honest, those rules have not uh, come through in full. They've come through drip-fed uh, from government, from online, from reading websites, newspapers, government website, as well as uh, guidelines that came late on Friday from the EFL. So there is an awful lot for us still to understand. We've tried to simplify as much as we can, but I admit it's a relatively complex and new subject. You know, this is clearly the first time we've been in this uh, development of, of, of tiers. Uh, so we thank fans for the patience of that. So what it will effectively mean is that we will announce, uh, I think by the time uh, people are hearing this voice later on today, uh, or perhaps on the commute on Monday, we would have announced how the ballot process is going to work for the first few matches. Uh, that will make it very clear that they've got to apply for the games that they do wish and most importantly can attend, uh, the dates for which they are going to apply. And those the windows of uh, applying for that ballot are exceptionally small. They're exceptionally small because we've got to piece together a very complicated jigsaw and then make those tickets, advise the people that have been successful and unsuccessful in that ballot and then allocate them a ticket uh, digitally via email. They'll be able to either print at home for the first time, I think, certainly for a long, long time, or show it on their mobile phone. So again, that's another level of complexity that we'll make sure we explain as best we can. So if I live in Tier 3 and want to go and watch Leighton Orient in Tier 2, to break it down really simply, it's a no. 
in a nutshell for now. Yes, sadly yeah, say yeah. that about the moment. So just to clarify, anyone who's currently residing in Tier 3, which predominantly uh, is obviously the whole of the area of Kent, but there are other, other, other fans that are affected because of other parts of the country they live in, cannot at the moment apply and therefore attend a game at the Birmingham Stadium for now. How do you associate of... older fans, for example, who may not be online and may not have people that come with them, for example, to a game, a younger person who has got digital access, how does that, how would they be able to apply for the ballot? I mean, I'm assuming some of those people are probably vulnerable, but has that, have they been considered at all? Yeah, what we're going to really be really clear with our communications today and over the next few days, if there is anyone that doesn't have access that you can think of, oh, I, I normally sit near John or Mary or whatever it is, perhaps I'll just reach out to them to see if I can help them with that. So the reality is we, we can't do anything like do a mail out to them because it just won't be received in time. So we, we're asking our fans to just think of others where they can that might not have that ease of access. That said, the absolute is the high 90s of the percentage of season card holders who we hold at least an email address for. So you're right, there will be some that will that will fall through and that's why we're, we'll reach out to fans to, to help where they can. Another area that seems to be quite hard to grasp for fans, and I'm sure hard for yourselves, is the social bubble aspect. So I would normally go to games with Paul, um, but obviously we aren't in the same household. He's not my son, unfortunately, but I'd love to have him as a son, maybe one day. Um, so I can't go with Paul to a match or I couldn't sit next to Paul in our seats at a match because we aren't in the same social bubble. Yeah, it gets really complicated here. So, yeah, the social bubble is obviously effectively yeah. the, gr the group of people from your same household. And I had the pleasure of speaking to Paul's better half the other day and, and they said definitely uh, that Steve can't ever come and live, live, live with them. So just so that you know that, that's, that's, that's ruled out. Uh, <laughs> but all, all joking apart, we will, by the time this goes live, we will have a, a mini grid on our website and I'm sure Luke and the team will promote that across social media just to try and make it as clear as we possibly can. But as always, if there's anyone that doesn't understand the difference of the social bubble and support bubbles, have a good read on this stuff on the website if they haven't, then reach out to us either personally or through the club on social media and we will try and make it as, as clear as we possibly can. But you know, effectively, it's people that are within your the social bubble definition of people that are in the same household as you and as a result, therefore, can sit adjacent and next to each other without having to socially distance, albeit they'll be wearing face masks, etc. I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but more details on the website. But as always, any queries, we're here, we're here to help and then allay, allay any fears that anyone might have. So just to be, I guess, just to add on that, because originally I thought that I'd be able to sit with the group of guys that I sit with and we'd be able to form that social bubble. But actually, maybe Luke, you when we were talking just before we started recording, you sort of quite succinctly put it that it's really not about who you sit with at or in it's really about who you're defined with outside of football in, in, in sort of any care bubbles that you might have with a grandparent or a or a relative have I understood that correctly yeah um so I think as Danny was saying in terms of forming a support bubble um we've uh, kind of clarified it on our website as someone who lives alone um so it could be your household and um, another person that lives alone or also a single parent with a child under 18. Um, so those those would be the support bubble. And that support bubble effectively forms the, the larger social bubble. Um, I think the rules are slightly different in regards to 
um, the rule of six outside, which is why some people are a bit confused and saying, well, you know, I can meet with six different households outside. Why can't I do it at a football ground? And I think that that comes down to the social distancing, distancing rules around events and, and the new kind of um, stringent rules being put in place. So, um, again, we can kind of understand that confusion there, but it's very much almost like if you're meeting inside, it's just got to be one one social bubble, one support, uh, including your support bubble, which um, sadly means that we won't have the, the larger groups that we'd probably all hope for. But um, it does mean I think that we can obviously be back in the stadiums for now. It'll be, even though fans are returning, it'll be a, a different match day experience to what fans are used to. So wearing face masks, no um, beverages or food will be on sale in the ground. So there will be, it won't be... Although fans are returning, it'll be a different experience to what fans are used to. It will be. Uh, and again, we'll be putting very clear guidelines in the build-up to, to each match day. So we are going to take the step of making masks mandatory, not just when you're walking around a concourse or around the, around the stadium, but at all time, unless you're exempt from medical uh, circumstances such as asthma or you're eating or drinking. So to just add to that eating or drinking, we will relax for now the rule about being able to bring drinks in, clearly not alcohol, clearly not glassware. Uh, but if you wanted to bring a, a bottle of, uh, shall I say, fizzy pop or, or a bottle of water in, then you for, for now can bring one in uh, with with the lid on. Uh, we ask that people don't bring a full-blown full picnic because that's not going to help uh, anything on there and certainly people being able to get in between seats, that will just add to it. But yeah, bring, bring what you realistically need to eat uh, in that time frame, the same with drink. I think that makes that that that's pretty clear. Was there anything else that you felt from the feedback that you guys have had, Luke, as well, um, in in relation that might need some extra clarity at all? Uh, off the top of my head, I think that that's probably the main bone of contention for people so far. Um, Danny, is there anything from your end that might? Yeah, I think there's a couple of bits on. I said the way that Luke and, and many others in the team have done this, I think, negates a, a lot of people's questions they would have had. But the, perhaps the override one I keep getting a bit, we've answered it, but no problem answering it again, is if I apply for a game, does that affect my ability to come for another game? So let's use the example. So Bristol Rovers, first and foremost, will be a complete standalone if you're successful or unsuccessful or have no bearing at all on your application for a future, such as Newport uh, League game. So that's been treated completely and utterly separately. But if you were successful for the Newport game, you will go behind the queue for anyone who was unsuccessful or didn't apply for when it comes to the next game of, of Crawley at the Brown Group Stadium. So we will give priority to those people that missed out first time around so that the second or the next game, they sort of jump the queue, so to speak, so that we can get as many season card holders in the next couple of weeks getting back to what we were all absolutely craving. Yesterday was would have been a phenomenal moment with you know, perhaps a thousand people behind the goal at Port Vale and we missed that opportunity hopefully fans won't miss too many of those over the over the coming weeks and months so just to wrap up then the tiers you can't travel in between tiers that's a government stat that's a government issued thing that's not a club uh, rule you can't travel from tier 3 to tier 2 and tier 2 to tier 3 social bubbles are formed by government definition again that's set by by the government and that's based on your personal lives and not who you travel with to football and there's no food or beverage outlets uh, open at the club. So bring your own stuff, but, you know, a reasonable amount rather than a full-blown summer's picnic, like you said. And I guess from the FAQ as well, the shop is not going to be open for people to come in and browse. That's a click and collect 
So yeah, we will be doing our click and collect service, which will operate from the ticketing booth outside the Justin Edinburgh stand, obviously in the West Stand. Uh, and we expect it to be very popular. So we've done that because the reality is we open up the shop, especially just before Christmas. We're going to be able to serve very few people and probably frustrate many. So we will have many uh, many opportunities, including online. We'll do some late night openings in the next couple of weeks once we're, once we're back open on Thursday. So hey, so thank you very joining much, us so now. very much indeed uh, to Danny and to Luke for sparing us some time earlier on today. Hope that gives a lot of fans some clarity. Uh, if there were any queries outstanding, there is a FAQ page. Um, there is a lot of content on the website, but hopefully those are the main talking points of people um, that, that people perhaps couldn't quite grasp. And it is a minefield at the moment. I think the club are also figuring out what they can do, what, what they can't do, what they're not allowed to. But ultimately, you can't travel between tiers. The bubbles are formed between yourself, your household and another household, not necessarily who you go to football with. Because at first I thought that we could sit with our friends at, that we normally sit with, Steve. So um, it, it clarified that one for me. It's the, it's the systems and the, the infrastructure or the rules, if you like, that are set by the government that the club are having to to bring into the, into the football club uh, as well. So I think that was pretty clear, Steve. Yeah, lots of information. Um, hopefully everyone's digested it. If you don't, I think Danny's quite active on Twitter. So is Luke. You can obviously email uh, the club if you need any further clarification. Mm. And obviously there's the FAQ document that's been mentioned a mm. few times on the podcast already. So again, massive thank you to Danny uh, and for Luke for giving up their Sunday yeah. morning. So let's go crack on with the week now. Let's move on to 2 Tuesday, 24th of November, as we welcome Bradford City at home so the team was announced at 6pm as this one kicked off at 7 the team consisted of Lawrence Vigaru in goal the back four made up of Sam Lee Josh Coulson Dan Happy Joe Widowson midfield of Ousise Hector Kipriano and Lou Dennis and up top Connor Wilkinson Danny Johnson and James Brophy in the subs bench we had Sam Sargent Jordan Thomas Tim Jackanola Josh Wright Joby McEnough James Dayton and JMD. For me, I like that. There was only one change um, from that team that lined up against Harrogate a few days before as Joby uh, was dropped to the bench in place of Dennis. My only question was, if Joby's fit enough for the bench and he's fit enough to play 25 minutes, why not just start and take him off after 50 or an hour? For me, Joby is such a pivotal part of the team. For me, he has to start. And I know he's 39 years old, but he's obviously fit enough to be, to be playing. Uh, and I know with... We don't want to risk injuries, but for me, I was happy. But at this point, not to see Joby start. But then you can't have it all. No, absolutely not. And I, I like a consistent lineup. So happy with this. Not sure if uh, Louis Dennis is a like-for-like replacement for Joby, though. Was the only comment I made. But be interesting to see how he does. He's got the opportunity to shine. So you know, hoping well, it's, an it. it's, it's an interesting one because when the Port Vale is announced, we'll come to Port Vale later. Obviously, Ross at the moment is favouring Dennis over Dayton in central midfield over Josh Wright central midfield um, so he's got he's got a lot of positions um, a lot of options in central midfield so yeah, yeah lots, of, lots of options there for us absolutely we had quite a lot of tweets come in for this uh, we've got two or three uh, here that we're going to read out now at Lewis 15335405 said don't understand the formation unless Dennis is used as an attacking midfielder in the 4-3-3 depending on how Bradford come and play it could easily change into a three at the back with Brophy and Ling as wing-backs. Yes, the forecast tweeted us. So it will be a test for Dennis. Presuming Joby's being rested personally, I'd start him, sub him earlier. 
Dead has been the norm. That's yeah, what you just I said. Yeah. said yeah. And then at Dean underscore seven Cox, so Super Dean Cox, getting in touch. Uh, still following the O's, he says it's a big night for Dennis. Hope he delivers. Yeah, so we're going to cover this one a bit more vaguely than what we would normally do. Two interviews and two matches to get through. So we're going to cover Bradford in a bit more minute detail. They got the game underway on a cold, horrible November night. In the sixth minute, they went close. Some good build-up play. So Connor would get the ball uh, on their left, on our right-hand side. He tried to go an effort into the far corner uh, in a winter's wide. It wasn't far off, though. Yeah, ten minutes later, Clark went close for the visitors with a glancing header from Woods's cross from our right-hand side where Woods had had plenty of space and time. Yeah, Bradford City seems to be targeting our right-hand side yes. and their left a bit. They attacked again one minute later, this time a first-time pass into Clark's path. His shot deflected off Josh Coulson. Looked like it was heading into the bottom corner, mm. but Vigil stuck out a very strong, firm hand and tipped it away for a corner. Good save there. Yeah, we've had a lot of possession, I noted, at this point. And I know we've obviously, we're slightly bereft of you know, a full half of football here, but we have had a lot of, of the possession. We haven't really done anything with it. And conversely, Bradford had had more chances at our goal with much lesser possession, uh, with the much le- lower possession levels that they've had. So they're being a little bit more direct and they're obviously quite happy for us to sit and play in front of them and to try and break them down. So uh, just an interesting point to note. Yeah, lots of patient play and possession. Nothing of note to talk about until the 41st minute, really, when Joe Rodosa miscontrolled the ball, unaware that Tyler French was lurking behind him. French got the ball, sent across into the box, but Dan Happy was there to clear. Has lot to figure it in, save the world from the resulting corner. And there were three minutes of time added on and played out as the referee brought the half to a close with the scores even at 0-0. Again, yeah, I think we could probably agree that wasn't classic half quickly, quickly forgotten no. about I'd say yeah absolutely but again high possession stats barely tested their keeper though so it's all well and good having loads of the ball but you've got to do something with it at least make the keep their keeper work in my opinion yeah would agree with that lots of tweets at half time coming into us at Orient Outlet we'll mention a few Terence Coast too so I think we've done well in defence to keep it in 0-0 but we've been far too slow on the opportunity to counter and really hurt them which has allowed them time to organise and get 10 men behind the ball a better player than Dennis in that position will change the game. Orient boy said Bradford well set up and fancy it down our right-hand side. We're too slow and lacking movement, so we are well marked by them. They are quicker going forward than us, so thankfully it's still nil-nil, but improvement is needed in the second half. I think that's a pretty good tweet, to be fair. I think that sums it up pretty well. They are, as we said, targeting. They were targeting the right. They have been pretty potent with the minimal possession they've got. They have tested us, so yeah, that was a pretty good tweet, I thought. So there's one change at half-time. James D came off for Connor Wilkinson. So Connor took a knock uh, in the first half that we didn't mention. So he was taken off by Ross. James D was on. So we got the half underway. And just 30 seconds in, we went as close as we had in the whole of the first half. There's a superb free ball from Louis Dennis. Very beautifully played in. James Brophy on the left. He crossed in low. The ball crept past both Danny Johnson at the back post and the keeper. deflected out for a corner. And the ball went agonisingly wide. So close there. A great ball from Dennis, to be fair to Dennis. Good. 64 minutes on the clock then, so just over the hour mark now. We, the the there, blah, 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 start oh, again. <laughs> just over the hour mark on the 64th minute, the O's took the lead. As a, getting all tongue-tied about the fact that we'd scored. Uh, beautiful free kick swung into the box from JMD onto the head of that very tall man, Dan Happy, who headed past the keeper from about six or seven yards out to make it 1-0 to the Orient. Um, brilliant goal. 
lovely scoring from a set piece as well. I think that's something that we've commented on a couple of times on the podcast recently about you know the role that Danny Senders had, and it seems to be working. Great delivery from JMD. Yeah. Like the, the, the direction of the ball, the pace of the ball, it was just begging for someone to get their head on it. And Happy's read it and headed past the keeper. So great from JMD. We just need to see him do that more often. Yeah, more it was consistently. It, I think the crucial thing about that was was the ball was put into sort of no man's land. If the keeper comes out and misses it, he's stuck and we potentially score. But if there isn't a defender covering it or the keeper coming out to clatter happy, if you like, we're scoring. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Difficult yeah, I one. mean, we've seen games Perfect. like that growing where the goal goes against us. So it was great to see yes. us take the lead there. So 65 minutes, Joby McEnough came on for tonight's guest on the podcast, Mr Hector Kipriano. He did, and not much to talk about for the next 10 minutes until Josh Wright came on for Louis Dennis with 75 minutes on the clock. 77th minute, the ever young Joby McEnough won a free kick in a dangerous position just outside the box, slightly to the left. Upstep JMD, he went very close. He got his end up, over the wall, but just hit the wrong side of the netting. Hit the side netting, but a very decent effort there from JMD. Yeah, decent pressure from the O's who were looking to kill the game off. Dan Happy headed wide in the 82nd minute and Danny Johnson had an effort blocked just a minute later. Not much else to talk about. Four minutes of time were added on. Soon James Akinola came on for James Brophy. And although Bradford had lots of possession towards the end of the match, they couldn't find a way through. The full-time whistle went shortly after. And another home win for the O's. Another clean sheet. Another three points. As Bradford City were beaten for the first time at Brisbane Road since 1994. As rocking all over the world was still played over the sound system. As the O's won the game 1-0. Now, ordinarily, we'd have Ross's interview to play from that match, but conscious of the time for this one, given it is a bit of a bigger episode, so you can see the full interview on the club's YouTube channel. Uh, so go to youtube.com and search for Leighton Orient, and Ross's full post-match interview with Dave uh, is there. So the league table, uh, as, it stood, as, as it stood at that point, saw us move up to eighth, having now played 14, won six, drawn three, lost five, Goal difference of plus six with 21 points. Um, for me, another well-earned three points, another game that wasn't spectacular, but we were solid all over the pitch. Cissé had another good game as well, and it goes back to what we said in uh, episode 225 about how he makes us tick. And Hector alludes to that in his interview about that that role, that, that place, you know, the number four role, is that kind of linchpin of the of the team from a defensive and attacking uh, perspective as well. Solid displays are noted all over the pitch. I like that Widdison ventured forward a lot in the first half, as did Happy. And JMD's perfectly delivered free kick was a real highlight. Bradford were better than I thought they would be. They saw less possession, but made sure that they tested Lawrence Vigarou. And I'd like to see us testing opposition keepers an awful lot more, particularly with the possession uh, stats that we have. We're now on the edge of the playoffs and these past two results are a good launch pad to crash the top seven. I think I had my crystal ball out that night. You must have done so. For me, I thought it was a good, battling, <coughs> gritty League 2 performance, likes of which we saw plenty of times against us last season um, that we now seem to be a bit more wise to coming from us. So I was really happy. I thought the defence in particular were excellent uh, Props to Coulson for me in particular, who I thought was immense at the back. He controlled the defence well, he marshaled it well. 
made the right choices, communicated well. I thought Danny Johnson also done really well. Although he hasn't scored in this game, he held up the ball really well on attack, was winning free kicks, was bringing other people into play. JMD continues to be the enigma. I mean, he showed what he's capable of in the game. Free kick went close. He gets a great assist, but at points in it where he doesn't track men, he gives away silly fouls at points, so he needs to make some better decisions on the pitch. But overall, from me, no complaints. Another win, another three points, another clean sheet, eighth in the league. So there was lots to be positive about after this match. Absolutely, there were. We got an awful lot of feedback from fellow Orient fans as well, a huge amount, in fact. Um, so thanks to everyone who took the time to uh, tweet us. And again, we try and read out as many of these tweets as we possibly can. But just because we read them, it doesn't mean that we agree with them. And we kick off this week with at Jack LOFC, who said... Those are the games we wouldn't have won last season. Just goes to show how far we've come. We battled, we got three points, and we're up to eighth. It's harder to find negatives than positives at the moment. I think that eighth reference was the fact that there was still a game playing, so we ended up being uh, seventh. Uh, sorry, no, we did end up moving up to, to eighth, but I think we were seventh at one point. I, I, I like the points in that tweet. I thought that was a really good tweet. There. Steve Chaplin four-tweeted us. It's not a great game, but three points is what's all about. Another decent performance from Cissé and Bigru. Sort of game we'd have lost in the past. A battling display. All in June said, grinding out three points while not playing well is a good sign. Happy and Coulson were excellent. Hopefully we get a decent free, a decent fee for Happy when he eventually plays at a higher level. Not sure that we should Rayleigh. have read that. Not, not sure that we should have read that tweet out, to be fair. <laughs> Rayleigh Days. Terrible game. We won up Lee. Poor JD. Didn't get... I think he means poor DJ. Didn't get one decent pass all game. But hey, three points. Onwards we go. Happy and Coulson were immense. And Dennis did well in midfield. Poor performance, but some positives and a big three points. Martin Runnacle said, Bradford were dire. Orient were good enough to keep them at arm's length for most of the game. But for all the good possession football at times, we didn't create enough and got bailed out by Happy's goal. Chris Kane, unscored, 1992. Was it pretty? No? Well, I remember it. No? But it's three points. Happy and Coulson are building a good partnership at the back. JMD putting some good balls. And CSA controlled the midfield. Lots of positives. Ross has done well to bring back the confidence. And add to that, not every game is going to be free-flowing football with attack after attack. Grinding these results are what makes a difference at the end of the season. And with fans back in the ground, we'll be able to do that more often Yeah, very good. Very thorough, Mr. Kane. Hope you're well. Daniel underscore D44 said, Tough game. Nice to win ugly. Great to see Happy score. Love to see him get more. Coulson had been written off, but he has been fantastic. Johnson didn't get a sniff, but held the ball up so well. Can't believe we're only four points off an automatic place. Daniel, do not get ahead of yourself. (laughs) Matt J. Nash is a typical congested fixture list. Tuesday night game and great to grind out the three points. A good one coincided with Cissé, Joby and Claire's in midfield three. A struggle with two of them missing but still got the win. At Leighton Orient, so this is not the club's official uh, account, <laughs> uh, I think it's Mark, uh, always likely to need a set piece. We rarely look like getting past their defence and on the rare occasions it did happen, it drew a cynical foul. Good to see that punished in the end. Pandemonium, 18-81. So people say not a classic, but it was still a good performance. Clean sheet, took our chances when it came, kept the ball well, rolled up past the leaves and competed. And very clever game management, last 20. What's not to like about six for six, four scored, zero conceded. Good tweet, Matt. Good tweet. Alan Reeves too said, again, this is what happens when you play your uh, players in their correct positions. Really like JMD when he came on because his first touch and thought 
was to go forward and commit defenders rather that than the constant passing backwards, even if he does lose the ball sometimes. LDP King says, Ross got it wrong big time versus Colchester. Nothing made sense and he knew that deep down, but was trying to protect players from injuries. The last two games have been spot on, so credit to Ross. And now it's all about keeping a consistency. Two wins at home in a row. And when did that last happen in the EFL? Matty LOFC Evans said, up to eighth and hitting some form hitting some sort of form again. Good to see Happy get a goal for his great performance tonight. Keep the faith in Ross and the squad as I feel we have the ability to go up this year. Blimey, if we all stick together and support each other, on to the next one. Blimey, man. All right, all right Fancy, we'll happy as well. Not the best of games, but like good teams do, we ground out the win. Mm. Hard to choose a man in the match. Quite a few players had a good game. Johnson may not score tonight, but his work rate up top was exceptional. Didn't stop all game. Another clean sheet as well. Uh, Alan AVM1502 said, Good win without Joby for most of the match. JMD a much better option than Dennis, in my opinion, and Ling out of position most of the time. Lucky not to get punished. Charlie C87 said, Thought we defended the edge of the area better than we have the whole season so far. We will always make mistakes at this level, but force a bigger effort from the whole team. Apparently, grinding out a win in League 2 isn't acceptable for some O's fans. <laughs> Spartacus1957 said Lawrence Vigarou was definitely man of the match for shepherding the defence can't believe Brophy didn't have another go at, uh, at French after the booking JMD spun it on its head badly need the return of Clay Angle and Satoru all in good time my friend Kevin Cowlin said I'll take a one to win when we don't play well all day long that is a sign of a good team just mm. a point of the playoffs now Six points, two consecutive clean sheets, overseen by head coach, who some want out of the club. Incredible, just incredible, and happy. And King Oos, superb. Yeah, design at Design Cabby, our prediction league sponsor, tweeted saying Dennis is so frustrating to watch. Rarely produces. JMD changed the match when he came on. Ross and the team deserve credit. Deserve credit for how we managed the game after going ahead. One point off the playoffs. Oi, oi. <laughs> Final words for Bradford goes to Luke underscore T7, which is 11 days ago. A lot of fans were wishing Ross out of the club. Now, two back-to-back home wins and clean sheets. We were four points off two games back now, one point off the playoffs. Still a long way to go, but hopeful we can push on. Yeah, that's right. So that rounds up um, Bradford on Tuesday night. We just move on now to the at Design Cabby Prediction League with an update for you here. Design Cabby specialise in company branding, advertising, print, digital and logo design. They uh, also give LOFC fans a massive 15% off. You can find James on social media. He's at Design Cadby, C-A-D-B-Y. Uh, on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram so you'll see some of his work and the videos that he's able to produce if you have a business or if you're working for a business that's thinking about a rebrand or a freshen up or anything like that you can email James hello at jamescadby.com so well done to John Band 6306573 at Orient Sphincter at Dyspraxic Shaver at Dennis Orient at Jeff Cole 18 and at Boatsy who all correctly predicted 1-0, so everyone gets three points. We'll do a top-of-the-table round-up at the end of this podcast. Well done. Nicely done, Mr Levy. Thanks, so mate. Wednesday, the 25th of November, we have to start this one by saying a massive happy birthday to O's Vice Chairman and Principal Investor, Mr Kenty. Kent, we love you. We miss you. We want to see that beautiful face of yours very soon in person, and we hope all is well with you over 
in the States. Absolutely. EA Sports named striker Danny Johnson in their team of the week following his superb hat-trick at the weekend. Well done to you, Danny. Now, Steve, this is uh, we, we spoke about it. We're not going to make a talk about it too much, but this is a big deal, isn't it, that he's been named in the EA Sports team of the week? It's pretty decent to be named in the EA Sports team of the week. Bear in mind that you know FIFA is a global, huge brand across the PS4 and Xbox, and it goes to millions of users, uh, maybe even billions of users on a weekly basis. Um, so huge, well done there to Danny Johnson. If you're a gamer, you'll know just how important that is. And if you're not, believe me, for a League Two striker to get into the EA team of the week is pretty, pretty special. So well done there to our own fox in the box, Danny Johnson. So moving on into Thursday, the 26th of November, we've got to wish all our US listeners a massively happy Thanksgiving. So we hope you all had a great one and gave thanks for uh, everything that yeah, is. As well as our owners and, uh, yeah. and directors of, of, uh, of Leighton Orient as well. The club announced on Thursday the 26th of November that the Papa John's trophy game against Bristol Rovers will be played on Tuesday the 8th of December with a 7pm kickoff. So that's one for your diary. Yeah, and then later in the day at 6pm, the club's live streamed an evening with Martin Link and Mind Charity. That was streamed live on the club's YouTube channel as XO's captain and assistant manager, now managing Aston Villa in the Premier League, you may have heard of him, Dean Smith, joined the discussion to talk about mental health. So, a really well done to everyone involved. I mean, that would have been a great event anyway, but the fact they've managed to get a Premier League manager uh, who's got connections to the club and to Martin on as well to talk about um, the health issues was just phenomenal. More great exposure for the club. And well played, Dean Smith and Martin and everyone involved yeah. in Do you know, that's a really special angle as well because obviously it, it, Dean Smith wasn't affected by mental health. Obviously it was Martin that was and that's what the conversation's about. But one of the quotes I saw was about the fact that, you know, Dean and Martin were really close and he didn't know and he didn't yeah. know the signs that Martin was struggling. So it was, a, you know, it's definitely one to watch. Um Mooney Friday, then the 27th of November, the club announced that the upcoming game against Bristol Rovers in the Papa John's Trophy, the one we've just mentioned, is set to be a test event for fans as a 1,000 tickets will be available for home supporters with the ballot going live 9am on Monday the 30th of November. So probably by the time you're listening to this, um, this ballot is open. So if you want to go to that game, look on the club's website and apply through the appropriate ballot. Yeah, and obviously season ticket holders uh, need to apply and will have to pay for their ticket because that game is not covered Good point, well made. Yeah, of their season ticket. So Saturday, 28th of November, the youth team were in action in the morning. They played at home against Luton Town. They lost the game 2-1 with Brian Ifiani scoring the O's consolation goal after some good work from Daniel Naruma. So unlucky there to the young O's. Again, great coverage uh, on social media now from the youth team. So why don't everyone involved in that setup? Unlucky there for losing the game 2 1. Two names that keep cropping up. Yeah, absolutely. Only in the rumour. Two, two names that are very, very prominent. So keep an eye on them. We might see them in and around the first team in the not too distant future. So the main event of Saturday was Port Vale away. Before the game, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on uh, in this one. And after only 178 votes in 24 hours, just over 15%. Uh, thought we'd lose, just over 33% thought we'd draw, but f just over 50% thought we'd win, a whopping 50.6% thought we'd win. So thank you to everybody 
for your vote. So this was an earlier kickoff. This one, this kicked off at one o'clock. Yeah, so the team was therefore announced at midday. So the team announced with Lawrence Vigru in goal, the back four of Sam Lin, Josh Coulson, Dan Happy and Joe Willowson. Midfield of Usi, say Joby McEnough and Louis Dennis. And up top, James Brophy, Connor Wilkinson and Danny Johnson. On the subs bench for this one, we had Sam Sargent, Tunji Akinola, Hector Kiprianu, tonight's guest, Josh Wright, James Dayton, the JMD and Mr. Royal Satiriou. So there was one change from the Bradford City lineup as Joby McEnough came in, Hector Kipriano dropped to the bench alongside Ruel Satoriu, uh, who also returned to the bench following his recovery from injury. Yeah, I mean, again, decent team there. Again, consistent consistency, only one change. Can't really complain too much there. Another chance in that central midfield position for Louis Dennis. So he won't get too many more, needs to make an impact. And following him coming off at half-time on Tuesday and Ross's post-match comments. I didn't think Connor Wilkinson would actually be fit to play, so I was very happy to see Connor named in that starting lineup. So overall, I was quite happy with that. You? Yeah, yeah, me too as well. Interesting that Hector's dropped to the bench and that Louis Dennis gets another start. Um, you know, I think I think he huffed and puffed a fair bit against Bradford, so I think getting that run in in the team is probably going to start helping him, and we'll probably start seeing a lot more from him. But interesting that Jordan Maguire drew, who's impacted games when he's come on um, didn't start so are we now thinking that Jordan Maguire Drew is more of an impact player i.e. he comes on with 20 odd minutes to go and gets that free kick and makes that superb delivery that nicks us that win or makes that pass or puts that cross in that actually gets us on the front foot for example so it's interesting interesting I mean we don't get to see him train and we don't have that insight that Ross has so you know, I think that for me, in a, a three man midfield, you can't have Jack Dean centre midfield in a three man midfield. He's not physical enough. He'll get walked over. He's, he's not. But it's Louis he's Dennis. Inventive. He's inventive. He's creative. But he's not. He's not physical enough. I mean, you could argue Louis Dennis isn't either. But I think he's. I think Louis Dennis is more physical than JMD. I think JMD isn't. isn't going to win you 50-50s in centre midfield, whereas the other players are mm. uh, more likely to win you the ball. But you know, it's it's a it's a focus for discussion, and again, lots of tweets have been in about it. Just as we had lots of tweets again at midday once that team was announced, Oliver Melman tweeted us saying Dennis has been extremely average in every game he started. JMD is inconsistent, but often changes the game. Surely deserves a start over Dennis. Alan Gollidge said Hector looked tired and is only a young lad still learning. He needs a break. Good decision by Ross in looking after him. That's a fair point Late. as well. Yeah, good point. Leighton underscore Ears said, I'm sure if Vigoroo ever gets injured, Dennis would get an odd ahead of Sarge. Seems to be the ploy to shoehorn him into the side in any position. Kevlar P18 said, nothing wrong with that at all. I think Ross is being smart in squad rotation. Let's see at 3pm if he's the, if it's the right choice. Come on, you O's. Park C1881 says, Dennis in centre midfield away from home doesn't give me confidence. I'm not a right fan, but he would have been a better choice today for ball tension. Taking Hector out, I do agree with, as he didn't play well on Tuesday. Saying all that, they're all in red, so come on you O's. <laughs> Uh, so the match kicked off with the O's looking for their third win on the bounce. Port Vale looking to stop their own poor run of form, having lost their last four games. Yeah, chance in the fourth minute for Port Vale. Cross came in from the right. Conlon turned in the box, blasted his shot wide. Yeah, good possession football from Vale. I watched the extended highlights earlier today and I thought we were quite lucky to be let off there. Uh, but just four minutes later, the home side took the lead as a corner was crossed into the box and Leon Legg rose highest at the back post to head the ball past Lawrence Vigarou and over the line as Connor Wilkinson tried to keep the ball out and the goal was given. 
poor start. I mean, after two great results, the last thing you want to do is go away to a a team where you know it's going to be difficult and physical and concede a goal from a set piece early on, which is what we've done. Poor defending. I mean, we've done this podcast now for six years. I'm sure Leon Leg has scored against us three or four times from More the same positions. Yeah. Poor defending. I mean, I was squinting this morning trying to see who was on leg. It looked like it was happy. Yeah. Very long and happy. Literally nowhere near Leon Leg. Um, and despite Walkers' best efforts, ball looked like it crossed the line on 1 0. Yeah, no, it absolutely did cross the line. Um, and it was Dan Happy. So Leon Legg didn't start in that spot. He ran back to that spot to head it in. And Dan Happy was kind of sort of watching him and not the ball. Um, so by the time Dan had got in position, he was flat-footed, whereas Leon Legg was already halfway up to meet the ball. Um, so it's a lesson for Dan. He'll be disappointed about that. Um, but as Leon Legg using his his uh, super experience that he's got, you know, he's a seasoned defender and he knows what, what he's doing. But we were only behind for three minutes, mm. thankfully, as a corner was cleared only as far as Louis Dennis, who lofted a beautiful ball into the box for the informed Danny Johnson, who used his head to nod the ball past the keeper from close range, just beat the keeper. And suddenly it was one all. I mean, that was a fantastic response. Only three minutes between them scoring an hour equaliser. And for all the kind of talk about if Louis Dennis would have it in him to deliver. Well, 11 minutes in and he's got an assist in this one. So, well played yeah. Louis Dennis and another goal for the Fox in the box. Yeah, agree. Superb cross, sublime header. You can't can't really ask for too much more than that. And it was an entertaining game um, as we move on. But David Amu had to come off for Port Vale in the 24th minute, probably much to the relief of Joe yes. Riddison. Uh, but not many chances really to talk about until the 31st minute as the O's actually took the lead. Louis Dennis had a shot that hit the heels of Danny Johnson, but he was alert enough to pick up the loose ball and took a shot that was then blocked by uh, Nathan Smith. An attempted clearance by Smith. I mean, this is calamitous. Uh, Ricocheted off of Fitzpatrick. Uh, It went goal-bound. The keeper, and I think it was Leon Legg, managed to keep the ball out of the net, but the ball came to Connor Wilkinson, who despite a hard challenge on him and late challenge from Smith, hammered it into the roof of the net and it's 2-1 crazy goal but yeah. you know we've spoken a lot about having bad luck but when your luck's in and you've won the last two games against a team who've lost the last four games it's, it's little things like that that kind of start going your way um, and Connor took it well and he done very well not to react to the guy who almost I think that was more Danny Johnson knowing what was going on and pulling yeah. him away in a celebratory kind of way that nothing actually happened there because the man was late on Connor. It was outrageous, but Connor's got to keep his call. Cool. I mean, for those of you who are of an age and those of you who are young enough not to know this, Google it. The Benny Hill music would have been appropriate to have put over the top of that. Um, calamitous defending from Val but again great composure from Connor Wilkinson I've seen them rosetted before as well and he's just put it high enough so that a defender or the keeper can't recover uh, to get it so again like you just said when you're confident when you're in good form those opportunities present themselves and you make good use of those opportunities you score them so yeah delighted with that Oh, to tweet it as soon as the goal went in by saying, I noticed that Connor had received another late tackle when he got the goal. Luckily, plenty of those dragged him away from the Port Vale defender. They are targeting him. So let's move forward now to the 38th minute. A big chance for 3-1 as Brophy's crossfield pass destined for the onrushing Joby McEnough deflected off Wilkinson straight to Danny Johnson who took a touch but fired wide from close range. I think if he scores that, 
it's a less nervous well it's a completely different game and a much less nervous second half yeah so David Amu's replacement was Christian Montano he went on a darting run in the 43rd minute he he ran into the O's box but his final effort is skewed just wide we were lucky there yeah 45th minute Dan Hathy was booked for the O's after a late challenge and the half time whistle went shortly after with the O's leading 2-1. Another tweet from at Parksy1881 who said, Louis Dennis has been excellent. Credit where credit is due and the humble pie is in the <laughs> oven. Good tweet. Like it. Like it. So the second half kicked off. No subs for the O's. Nothing to talk about. So a good chance for Paul Fowler in the 53rd minute as the ball came to Rodney. But he shot wide from about four yards. 58 minutes on the clock now. Superb defending from Josh Coulson who blocked two attempts at goal in quick succession. Yeah, got a massive forehead. 63rd minute, it was the first sub for the O's. Raw Saturio came on for Connor Wilkinson, uh, who, again, I think struggling with fitness. I think Ross alluded to it in post-match. Four minutes later, second sub of the game, mm. Hector Kipianu came on for Louis Dennis. To be fair, he has had lumps kicked out of him by Oppo's yes. uh, defenders as well. Port Vale was starting to turn the pressure on the O's without really creating too many chances, but in the 77th minute equalised to make it 2 all as Christian Montano was given the ball and what it seems like, the freedom of the pitch. Uh, just inside the O's half, he picked the ball up, ran towards goal without really being challenged and rifled a shot into the top corner to make it 2 all. Yeah, but you just felt that goal was coming. Again, I mean, Saturiu doesn't really defend very well from the front. Literally just jumps out of his way almost, <laughs> you know, before he shoots. And if he shoots wide, we're not really talking about the poor defending there. But because he's smacked it in the top corner, we're kind of criticising the defence. But a great goal, but a very poor goal to concede at the same time. Yeah, I agree with you. That is a belter of a goal. We should have probably done more to close him down to prevent the shot in the first place. But, you know, sometimes you just have to say fair enough you know he scored a screamer of a goal he could try that effort another 50 or 99 yeah. times and that's the only time he scores it you know so at jboy uh, um, 4444 tweeted in and said have Port Vale taken off their goalie haven't seen him in this half at all so we had 13 minutes to see the O's could get a winner or to hold on for a point in the 84th minute there was another change for the O's Josh Wright replaced the hobbling Oos sees Three minutes later, the bizarre game. This bizarre game had another twist in it as the O's made it three-two. A corner was eventually cleared and played out to Josh Coulson, who crossed in from the left, aiming for Sitoriu, but it went over him and was controlled by the oncoming James Brophy at the back post, who controlled the ball on his chest and shot the ball under Brown, which just made it over the line, and the O's had the lead again. Very composed there from Brophy. Had he missed that, he wouldn't have heard the end of it because he had options right in the middle, but he's taken it on, finished it well, and the ball snuck in. And, you know, at 2 all, you felt if there was going to be one more goal, it would be coming for Paul Val. So to see Brophy get the goal and for us to retake the lead was a very nice moment. Absolutely. That is a very, very good goal because from the moment the corner came in, it did take a little bit of time to get. To, you know, till Brophy scored that goal. We kept our composure, we kept the pressure in the Val box, we were literally camped on the edge of their box, not letting them come out, not letting them clear the ball out and we've made it count and, and that's what it's all about. Absolutely delighted with that. Potentially against the run of play, don't really care though. Um, the fact is that we have, um, we've scored you know, a crucial opportunity. Yeah, so when that goal went in, Rob MCC 68 he, uh, emailed us, tweeted us so that's not very worrying. We're normally a team that attacks for half, and let's in a sloppy goal. <laughs> 
Six minutes of injury time were awarded in the and in the 92nd minute, Josh Coulson blocked Rodney's strike as the O's out, held out for a win and the match finished 3-2 and we made it our third win on the trot. So fantastic, fantastic result there. Brilliant result. And again, Ross's post-match interview and James Brophy's interview post-match available on the club's YouTube channel. We're not going to play either tonight because we've got too much to get through, but... If you want to hear what Ross or James Brophy had to say, then you can go on the club's YouTube channel and watch. I've got to say, James Brophy, that beard, mate, spectacular. <laughs> spectacular. That's the best beard you've had at the club in the last three years. Looking, looking <laughs> sharp, Mr Brophy. <laughs> I'll pass on, we'll pass on your good wishes. League table then, that win, coupled with the fact that there was only one other fixture, Bolton South End, uh, sees us shoot up to six in the league. Uh, now, having played 15, we've won seven, drawn three, lost five. We've got a goal difference of positive seven and we are now on 24 points so uh, doing extremely well we've got a game or two in hand over those around us but uh, rather have the points on the board as it stands and for me views after that winning is a habit that's hard to gain and very easily lost so for me I'm absolutely delighted we've won this one to make it our third win on the bounce and to be honest while it might not have been a game of beautiful free-flowing football and maybe Vale's second half performance deserved more but football's an unforgiving game. If you don't put your chances away, you won't score goals. And how many times have we deserved something from a game and not got it and been hard done by? Well done to the team and staff. Our back four have been strong and resilient recently. So long may that continue. Midfielders like Cissé, Kipriano and Mackinoff, they're asserting more control on games, which is having a positive impact on the defence and the attack. And I think the defence with Ling, Coulson, Happy and um, uh, Widdison along that back is balanced and it's even and I think the players know each other very well from having played yeah. together and I think it just works with Vig- having the experience of Vigaru as well with you know full experience across that back four I just think it just clicks and it just works really really well yeah I would agree with that mate nicely said for me I think when I've alluded to I think when your luck is in your luck is in and it's nice to see us have a bit of luck for a change as opposed to the team we're playing great to equalise so quickly after going behind. From that point, we pretty much dominated the first half. But, you know, unbelievably, we aren't in December yet, but both Connor and Danny, the goals are flying in from. I think Connor's got nine and Danny's on 14. So they are racking up the goals. Um, but second half, like we alluded to, you felt the equaliser was coming, but very pleasantly surprised to see us grab the win thanks to Brophy. Brophy's goal showed you the spirit and the battling. Um, commitment that the players have now um, under Ross so for me a fantastic away win only the third time we've ever beaten Paul Bell on their own patch so credits to Ross the staff and the yeah. players and it's nice now we can relax the pressure's off I think the outstanding fixtures in League 2 are being played on Tuesday so we don't have to play we can sit back relax see what happens hopefully still be in the playoff positions and now just get ready the yeah, that's that's a good point. We were due to play this fixture on Tuesday night like everybody else and have yesterday off, but actually rather sensibly, Port Vale yeah. uh, agreed to, to play Tuesday night's game yesterday, so now we have a clear week on the training field. So yeah, no, good good point. So we had an awful lot of views in after this, and again, we you know thank you to everybody that took the time to send their thoughts and views in. And just because we're reading the, fel- the following messages out, doesn't mean that we agree with them. And we'll start with Joe Jessner, 16, this week. He says, as much as I enjoyed that, we are we were incredibly lucky to win that. Not quite sure what went wrong in the second half, but I'll enjoy it nonetheless. 
Rack of Blue Apps, an entertaining game to watch. Good fight back to win. Walkinson's goal will be on Twitter pages for years to come. Very hard for victory. Johnson, McEnough, Ling and Dennis, all positives today. A type of game we would have capitulated in last season. Capitulated, yeah. Um, Dan Alton, 2590, said, hilariously fortunate to win. How we've done it, I have no idea. The second half performance was absolutely shocking and unbelievably negative, which I didn't expect from this group. But it's a truly fantastic win, no question. At Boatsy, it's a smash and grab based on the second half with amazing defending. We'll take that all day long. DJ been outstanding, holding the ball up and scoring again. Back to back to back wins, six in the table, looking like a team that never gives up. Great point. D Green, 9-2-1, said, brilliant win that. Becoming a hard team to beat, that's for sure. Joe Widdison's my man of the match and Sam Ling once again having a great game. Well played, lads. Yeah, I like that to be Good to see Ling yeah. and Widdison getting some recognition yeah, there. Macca Coleman's 73. So do you remember that Orient team a few years ago that never gave up? The similarities are creeping in. It's about grinding out a win. Job done. On to the next one. MS Orient said that was a huge three points versus a very good Port Vale team. Hats off to the back four. Joe Widdison's exceptional. Happy outstanding. Josh Coulson, a rock, and Sam Ling was solid too. That was a dig-deep performance. Great result as we moved to sixth spot in the league. Good tweet there from Mr. Schaff. Stonemeister, so delighted to get the win. Winning breeds confidence and up to play of positions. We've proved again we've got goals in us, but also showed that we are equally capable of inviting teams onto us to our detriment. A lucky win on the road, which we'd all have taken before kickoff. Gorillas 1985 said, not the greatest performance and helped by comical defending by Port Vale, but who cares? Three wins in a row and second bottom next Saturday could make it four in a row. People still want Ross Embleton out for an experienced manager. Not sure why though. Keep going, Orient. PM31970 says, signs of a good team. Soak up the pressure. Nick the win at the end of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Trousers Techno said, positives, three points, three goals. Negatives. If we have ambitions, we need to do better against a very average Port Vale. They upped the tempo and went direct, and we appeared to have no second gear or method to combat it. We need a better strategy when facing this type of direct approach. Reggie Jones said, if they can't blame the results, they can blame the performances. But it's 19 points from the last 27, and that is no fluke. I think the playoffs are still optimistic, but it was great to see us in the mix. Luxford C said that was very much Port Vale's game to lose, and somehow they did. As much by luck as anything else, not very long ago, our defence would have totally collapsed under that onslaught. That they didn't is a credit to everybody involved. Bucko, 5-5-1. So it was a fortunate win, but no good playing great football and losing, so we'll take that all day. Nickel Mighty 79 said, We're on a nice run in the league, really good result, but a bit concerned over the amount of goals we concede. We've only conceded two goals in our last three games, or three in our last four games. I think we're doing all right because we kept a couple of clean sheets prior to yesterday. Um, but no, I think generally, Nick, I think we're all right. We've got a positive goal difference as well, so it's all good. Kid Samson, oh, is it kind of fought the effort of the players, particularly Corkson, who is quietly having possibly his best season in an Orient shirt. I'd be lying if I said I was any more confident about finishing in at the top seven. Undeniable that the best side lost and our luck can't hold forever. No, but we'll keep riding it while we Absolutely. can. Dave yeah. M1812 said, first of all, is how did we get away with that? Second, are you sure the second half didn't last 90 minutes? Both sides had trouble clearing their boxes. We looked good first half and desperate second. We always seem to have goals in us, so could be more games like this. 
LFC to raise us and it could have been a draw or a loss but it was a win winning is a habit and the team are fighting on the pitch showing their winning ways I'm so proud well done to the boys let's not forget the part Ross plays and give him some credit Simon underscore J underscore Mills said no idea how we won that but you have to praise the character of the side concerning we couldn't get control of the ball at all second half poor JMD can't get a kick sixth who'd have thought that was possible yeah, good point. Muppet Gordon said, the rules of football, the team that scores the most goals wins. If both teams score the same amount, it's a draw. <laughs> I don't remember seeing anything about playing well, playing better than your opponent, or being lucky. I think this goes in hockey, rugby, and other games. And just, just for clarity on that, that goes. Uh, that was kind of a bit of a, a response to people saying, that um, we can't believe we won that, didn't deserve to win that, how we got three points out of that, and basically the naysayers and the doom mongers. Uh, that were on social media Saturday afternoon, evening. Steve Nugent UK tweeted in, though, he said, how many times have we been on the wrong side of one of those results? Deserved to be up at half-time. Second half was bodies on the line stuff. Great to get a winner against the runner play and pick their pockets for three points. Great to do it to another team for a change. Absolutely bang on tweet. Box Dollocks once at a massive three points. Probably the best of the season given that second half onslaught. Bodies on the line time. Ross certainly has his dressing room. All red shirts put in a great shift mm. onwards and upwards. Great point there. Very good point. Orient Ballbag said, played okay in the first half, but the second half was poor. Couldn't get out of our half. Only for only for poor finishing and a huge slice of luck is the only reason we came away with the points. Very rarely do I feel sorry for the opposition, but Vale must feel robbed. Yeah, but we, again, we've had that plenty of times happen to us, so don't feel too sorry for him. Absolutely. Paul Red Rumps. He thought we played well in the first half, always looked likely to score. I don't know what happened in the second half, just couldn't string any passes together, but three points and now in the playoff positions. Les LK52 said, whatever they trod on in the week, don't wipe it off. That was so undeserved. A very lucky win, not that anyone cares. But there'll be days when they when they conceded three or four under that kind of pressure. Still credit to the defence for some last-ditch defending and putting bodies on the line. All right, electrics. Ultimately, we were very lucky to come away with three points. No stand-up performers, but everyone grafted, and that's good to see. Really, really want Ross to be a success, but lots of work still needed. Final word this week goes to the tipping Tim, who said, probably one of the worst winning performances I've ever seen, but you need a bit of luck every now and then, and they deserved it after two great displays. Great feeling to win in that fashion, too. So those were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook. We mention a lot every week, but we always mention them because we're so grateful to have the level of engagement that we do. It does not go unnoticed. And for that reason, we read out all that we do. But if you've heard anything tonight that you agree with or particularly you disagree with, let us know by tweeting us at Orient Outlook. You can also email us at orientoutlook at outlook.com. Also on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast and on Instagram at Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast if you would like to get in touch with us absolutely so the design cadbury prediction league update on this one well done to derby 507 who correctly predicted three two and one scorer so you get four points i mean that's incredible but absolutely absolutely outstanding is freddie lofc who correctly predicted three two and two of the scorers i mean if you know the lottery numbers then feel free yeah, to dm us you got five points for that freddie i think that's your first five points on the board still well done yeah. for, uh, for keeping this up to date i messed it up last season so i'm now not allowed to touch it so well done to you do you want to read out the the top of the table then 
Yeah, let's do it. So leading the prediction league on 16 points, Billy Cross 95, Dan Alton 2590 and George Girks, followed by 14 points in second place by the O's fans basing and the tipping team and currently tied in third place, all on 13 points, Boatsy, David Langar 17 and Wadsey and a massive, massive thank you for all of your predictions. So that moves us on then nicely to Sunday the 29th of November and it was a quiet day at the O's but not for yourselves damn chums. We were in action early this morning we were up at half past ten to meet up and get on the call with young Hector Kip Rianu. So we got Hector to talk about season so far, talk about pre-season the impact of himself on the team. It's roughly about 17-18 minutes. Great interview and this is Hector Kip Rianu. So Hector, welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast. You've made a fantastic impression on the Orient fan base this season. Um, so in pre-season, let's go back. What did Ross tell you about in pre-season that you needed to do to really get into contention for a starting place this season to bring your game forward? Um, to be honest, we we haven't spoken too much about getting into the starting lineup. I mean, during when the lockdown got eased a bit, we we had meetings. And basically, they were saying, you know, train your hardest. Um, if you're performing in training, um, you'll be able to push for for a starting starting lineup place. Um, but really, there wasn't much to it. You know, they they said make our minds difficult, and I think they said that to every player. You know, if every player is performing in training, it gives Ross a bit of a headache and forced my way into the team a bit. I think you're you consider yourself a little bit fortunate in the sense that you've got some very experienced pros in in your position in the midfield space. You've got the likes of Joby McEnough, but also I don't think we can mention or not not mention the fact that we had Yaya Toure yeah. for a week. So what was that like for you? Oh, that was, it was surreal to be honest. I mean, when when we were, obviously it was a non-pre-season day and there was a car, like a chauffeur that turned up and <laughs> It was this tall, tall figure, you know, with a with all black hoodie. His hood up, his his hood was up, and we didn't really know who it was. And three of the boys came to me and said, "It's Yaya Torre." And I was thinking, uh, "Surely you're bantering a bit. Um, can't be him. Why would he be at Orient?" And twenty minutes later, I still I still wasn't believing them. Were still telling me, "It's Yaya Torre." Believe me, because um, we were sat outside for social distancing, and he went inside. And all of a sudden, we were all going out to train. And he comes out mooring kit. And honestly, I was starstruck. I, I couldn't believe my eyes, you know, watching all the clips. Um, you know, coming to late Norings, I mean, who would have thought it? So uh, it was a surreal moment. And learning, watching him in training was just unbelievable. What, are there any players who you look up to whilst training and who you're constantly taking advice from? So like Paul said, we've got Jovies, but we've also got Josh Wright. Craig Clay, there's a lot of experience in that area. Is there anyone who's kind of really mentoring you who you're watching every day and going, that's who I aspire to be like? I mean, I take little bits from all of their from from all of their game. I mean, all of them in the midfield have had vast amounts of experience, you know, in different leagues. I mean, obviously the obvious ones, Joby has played from the Premier League all the way down to League Two. Um, you know, Josh Wright's had loads of appearances, Dayton, Craig Clay. And Cease obviously played in. He's played abroad in France and Spain, and I do I do take all stuff from their games. I mean, Cease has been helpful. Um, you know, he's come in. He's been like a a figure I look up to. Um, he's always given me little tips and advice on my game. 
Um, even when I have played and he's been watching from the sideline, he's after the game he's come to me and said, you've done well here, here, you could have done this better, that better. And I think it's so helpful to me as a young player to be able to have players like that who come and give me advice. Um, and yeah, like I said, all different aspects from their game. I mean, Dayton, for me, I've recently I've been playing the number eight position, which is more attacking. And it's a new position for me. I'm still learning it. And when I see in training Dayton playing there with Craig Clay or Josh Wright and even Joby, their positioning is, you know, second to none. I mean, um, I'm trying to... Dayton, he finds himself in these pockets that I think so important for the team. And I think not many people realise what that position does for the team. I think you don't get as much of the ball as you want to. I mean, in the four position... I like, you know, Cease gets on the ball, he controls the game. And when I play there, I try to do the same. But in those positions, you kind of do work that, that people don't see. You know, you move, you take the midfielder away so the winger can tuck in. And you, you move around, you don't get the ball as much. Um, so other players can get in advanced positions to go and score, you know, get the attack going. So I think, yeah, I take loads of, loads of little tips and stuff from, from all their games. Now, the season really got going for you. We've played an awful lot of games in a very short period of time. It seems like we've done half a season and we're only in November at the moment. But you really got your chance um, in early November, earlier this month, uh, against Newport County. And Ross, Ross selected you for that game to make your first start. From, from your perspective, um, how was that for you in terms of Ross Santi? right, I'm, I'm putting you in the start 11. Does that had any extra pressure or did you feel ready that actually no this is my this is what I've been working hard for this is what I've been waiting patiently for um and obviously are there any nerves when you're when you're gonna you know make your make your first team debut I mean I I, I was more excited to be honest I mean in pre-season I was quite unfortunate with what happened um there was a bit of a freak incident where um you know had the first week of training I felt sharp I felt strong I felt fit um, and we played our first internal match because we weren't allowed to play anyone else due to, due to obvious reasons. And three minutes in, uh, Danny Johnson kind of fell onto my leg and my knee kind of went inwards. So I had a grade two MCL strain, which left me on the sideline for 10 weeks. And obviously that was a huge setback for me. Um, and once I came back from that, I, I was... It was just pure excitement, to be honest. I wanted to get back training, get back fit again. And to be honest, I was quite... I was a little frustrated because I wasn't getting as much game time, game time as I wanted to. Um, and then, so, a few weeks after that, I went and spoke to Ross, uh, sorry, the boss, and I said, I said, boss, I need some game time. Um, um, I want to get fit again. I want to get back to match fitness so that when I when I am called upon I'm ready and obviously I think he was he didn't want to send me out alone but he knew it was the best thing for me so he said listen we'll, we'll throw you in on those games and see how you do if you perform you know you know you know you never know where where you'll find yourself and if you don't perform as well as you want to or you can clearly see you need a bit more game time we'll send you out on loan you know I said I'd go Conference South, National League, wherever I can get games, I'll go there. Um, unfortunately, he, he played me against Newport, which was a tough game. We were playing top of the league. Um, I hadn't played a game for 10 months prior to that, which 
as a footballer, that's that's a long time. Mm. So I was put in that game and I thought I, I coped very well. I think the goal obviously really helped me. It was a big, big relief when I scored the goal. Um, so, yeah, it was more excitement and, and I wanted to prove a point to, to everyone that I was ready to play because I, I did believe it. Um, I was performing well in training and when the opportunity comes, it's so important you take the opportunity and I, and I feel like I did that. When you scored that goal, Hector, what runs through your mind? Because it's obviously something that as a number eight aspires to be that goal-scoring midfielder. You see the ball hit the back of the net. It was evident as soon as you hit it, there was only one place that ball was going, through past the keeper. What are you thinking? I was. It was just relief. <laughs> just relief because from what happened before that, it was... I was frustrated, I was upset because um, it's part of the game, you know, you get injured sometimes but when it actually happens, it you, you know, you don't feel great and to get that goal was just an amazing feeling. I mean, you can't really describe it when you score. I mean, I would have preferred it if there were fans there yeah. celebrated with them but nevertheless, it was an amazing feeling and um, it was interesting because when I, when I struck the ball, it was, you know, when you when you look back at it, you think, you know, I thought about hitting it with my left foot on the volley on the right side, but it's all instincts. It comes to you naturally in those positions, which surprised me as a lot because I would have thought when strikers score, they they think about this, they think about that, but really it's just pure instincts. I was attacking the ball, and before you knew it, it was back in the net. Just to jump back a step, um, you said that you hadn't played for 10, for 10 weeks and I remember being on the media gantry for one of the games. 10 months, months. Sorry, 10 months, sorry. Month, yeah. Month. yeah, and then you got your injury and that then put you out for uh, an extra few weeks when Danny fell on your leg. Um, and I guess then to be thrown into the game against, against Newport County, did you think, oh God, um, this is a big leap? Um, is it too soon? Did you have any doubts at all? Or are you quite a positive thinker in the fact that, right, this is my chance, I'm going to take it, forget the negative or doubts or fears or concerns that I have? Um, it was just, obviously, you have a few nerves. You know, it's always good to have a few nerves before a game. Yeah. But it was excitement. You know, I think of it as, you know, it's a game of football. I'm playing against guys that I believe I can I can dominate against. I believe in myself. I believe in my ability. So there was nothing to fear. Even though they were top of the league, our team is a good team. It's a very good team for the league. We have good individual players. Um, so it was excitement. I didn't really overthink it. Luckily, I had um, my family here to support me. You know, we, we just chilled the night before. And... I was ready to take the opportunity. I think opportunity is such a big word in football because there's so many times you see players don't take the opportunity. And I really felt that I was ready. Uh, you know, I spoke to Ross. I said to him, boss, that I wanted to, I wanted to play. And wherever that was, I don't mind. And I said that because I thought I was ready. So when the opportunity came, I was ready and I was excited and energetic. So, yeah, really excited. So you spoke about opportunities in football and since Newport, you've started um, against Charlton, Colchester, Harrogate, Bradford. You came on as a sub yesterday against Port Vale. How do you think you've done so far? Are you happy with what you've done on the pitch at areas where you think I could have done better here? 
Yeah, I'm really, I am pleased um, overall with my performance. Oh, sorry. I'm pleased with my performance. Sorry, it's my dog. Right. So I've got a cat who's working back here. Somewhere. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with my performances. Um, I think each game poses a different type of threat almost. Um, I thought first two games was more ball-playing game where I was able to get on the ball and show what I could do. And after, I'd say, you know, the Colchester game, the Harrogate and even the Bradford game, we got the um, wins on two of those three. We didn't play as well as we wanted to. You know, Boss express, expresses that he likes for us to play football and the players do as well. Um, but when those teams, when you play against those teams, they try as much as possible not to let you play. So they would press high, they would be scrappy, they would kick it long. And I think that's when we have to show the other side of our game and battle. So I came off those games thinking... That was a bit of a, you know, it was a bit of a rubbish game, you know. I didn't manage to get on the ball. But then I watch it back with analysis coach and, you know, you reflect on it. And you've done, I think I've done all right because not every game can you, you know, be the best player on the ball. Can you do your skills? Can you do your turns? Can you play forward? Some games you need to be rough. You need to be tough. You have to head the ball. You have to get second balls. And... To get out of this league, that's what you have to do. You know, it's, it's League Two at the end of the day. That's what teams are going to do. And I think this year, as a team, collectively, we've been able to compete with that more. I thought last year, if teams done that against us, we might have not, not struggled, but we wouldn't get the results we needed to. But, for example, yesterday against Port Vale, we were under the cosh. You know, they were throwing balls in the box and we were dealing with them. We were heading them away, throwing bodies on the line. And it's so important to do that. So I think reflecting on my performances, they were good. I think they were positive. Um, every game's different. And as a 19-year-old, you have to. I'm, just, I'm slowly learning that not every game's going to be amazing on the ball. You know, some games are going to be tough. And so yeah, I think overall positive. So you've been talking about playing as a central midfielder, as a four uh, and as an eight, but actually you came through the youth setup and also for your country, Cyprus, you play as a centre-back. Very, very different roles for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to say I'm quite a versatile player. I'd say I can play along the, the core of the team. So centre-back, four and an eight. Going to Cyprus is a very different game. You know, they like to play football, play out from the back. Um, you know, you play against other international teams like Portugal, who also do the same. You know, it's not they're not similar to Port Vale, who kick it long. You know, Portugal like to play through the lines. Um, you know, obviously have great... Yeah, have, have skillful players, players that play in the Premier League. Um, so they, they pose different threats. But yeah, I can play centre-back and I'm comfortable on the ball. I'm a ball-playing centre-back. As before, I'd say I enjoy it the most. You know, I like to be in the middle of the pitch. I like to try and control the game. Um, and yeah, I've shown that in recent weeks I can play as an eight as well. Um, haven't got the ball as much as I wanted to, but that position I think is one of the most important positions on the pitch. You do a lot for the team without the ball, like I've said previously. Um, so yeah, I can say it before. Fantastic. Um, 
it, yeah, they're obviously very different roles. They're obviously very different mindsets of how you need to be. And I guess sitting further back, it does allow you that vision to be able to see how the, the game's unfolding in front of you. But I think it's like it's been pointed out for others. Each role is a is a different mindset in its own right. So I, but I guess sitting in front of the back four isn't that dissimilar to being the centre-back in that back four. Um, OK. Um, yesterday's match, you, you touched on it just briefly there. Uh, we were under the cosh a lot we were heading and, and getting ourselves busy in our own box we seem to have got a little bit harder to beat in the last well three games we've got a win winning streak uh, on our hands and we've not conceded well we hadn't conceded uh, in our previous two games what your views on on yesterday's match yesterday's match i thought first first 20 minutes we struggled a bit they went up with the early goal but i thought we grew back into the game I thought we started to play our football. Second half, we did struggle to, to play the way we wanted to. But like I said, I think it's so important that we have the other side to our game that we can implement on the other team as well, which is being tough to beat, throwing bodies on the line, heading the ball. And I think to get out of this league, you need both sides of the game. I think a good example is uh, Northampton last year. I mean, no one really thought they were... You can name a number of teams that were better than them um, last year, but they were good at defending the box, heading the ball, not conceding, not losing games. And I think it's a good sign when a team that doesn't play well wins a game. Um, and I think I heard somewhere that the stat was in the past 50 years, we've only won three times at Newport away. So I think it's a big achievement for the team and it's good signs. So great win. We're six in the league, in the playoff spots, albeit we've probably played a game or two more than some other clubs, but a really good position to be in. So we go to Scunthorpe next Saturday. What are your thoughts about that one? It's another tricky tie, it's another long journey, another team who are probably going to play a more rough style of football than the traditional passing style. Yeah, I mean, we're going to go into that game with the same hunger as what we did before in the previous games. It's going to be a tough game. In recent weeks, I think they've had good results. I think they've had two wins and a draw, I think. Um, so it's going to be a tough game. They're obviously sitting low on the table. So those games are always going to be tough to play against because they're going to try their best to throw their body on the line, head the ball and battle. But I think we're going to be well prepared, as we always are, to go into those games and, and compete and hopefully win the game and, and see ourselves higher on the table. For you personally now, just to finish up, um, you've you've obviously done brilliantly well. Um, a lot of the Orient fans are very, very excited about you. Uh, the fact that you've come through the youth squad, I mean, it's you, you know, you're another prospect, uh, like Josh Caroma, for example, that's come through the academy that's now making a real stamp in the first team. For your own um, sort of personal, I guess, uh, ambitions for the rest of the season. What, how do you see that? Um, I want to try and help the team as much as I can. Every game I'm I'm called upon by the boss, I'm going to give my all. I want to obviously try and play as many games as possible to help the team. Um, but yeah, like I said, I want to, whenever I'm called upon, give it my all, whatever position that is as well. Because like I said, I can play in a number, number of positions. And give my all for the team, I think that's the most important thing. 
So thank you very much indeed to Hector Kiprianu who gave up some of his Sunday morning to make his debut on the Orient Outlook podcast. I think it's fair to say he speaks exceptionally well for a young man of only 19. Uh, And learning something about him is the fact that he is uh, able to play in a number of different positions and and he is learning. Um, There's a lot ahead of him, but he's he's got some great teachers around him in the likes of Joby McEnough and the week that he'd have spent with someone like Yaya Torre. There aren't too many 19-year-old midfielders in the country that can say that they've trained with Yaya Torre. So thank you very much to, to Hector for coming on and obviously Luke and Dan in the media team for setting that up for us. Very much appreciated and very interesting young man. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I don't know how long the podcast has been going for, but time to wrap it up. Yeah, one hour 23. Oh, wow, okay. So, Fantasy Football Updates, Dave Hyatt, at the time of recording, is top of the Orient Outlook podcast, Fantasy Football League. He is on 617 points. He's six points ahead of Harry Wright in second place. I'm currently in 45th place out of 297 players. Obviously, the table will be updated from today's games, probably later. Uh, in the day or in the morning so keep an eye out for that no, absolutely uh, positives and negatives this week so I'll start with the positives we've got three wins on the bounce uh, which is obviously fantastic hoping that we make that four next week away at Scunthorpe we've moved up to sixth in the league yes we know that there are teams around us who haven't played as many games as us but you know, I'd rather have the points on the board. It's good that we are where we are. And we've had four different goal scorers this week. So we're shedding the, um, sharing sorry, the burden uh, around the, uh, the squad. So it's great, uh, great, great news for us. Yeah, only one negative to talk about this week, and that is the injury list. Not too big, but if we're on it at the moment, Connor Walkinson looks like he took another whack yesterday. Usiso came off hobbling. So we hope those players are OK for next Saturday. Obviously, Leanne Goal still out as well as Moles Judd and Craig Clay. So hopefully we get some of those players back for next week, which perhaps is nice to Hero of the Week. And I think it was pretty unanimous this week. Yep, absolutely it was. So Hero of the Week this week is... Super Joshy Coulson. So we gave it to Josh Coulson because on Tuesday night, I thought he was the best player. Uh, on the pitch even though Happy got more of the plaudits obviously he scores the goal but I thought Coulson was immense on Tuesday night and then when looking back on the Port Vale game there's so many pivotal blocks that Coulson had made and he gets mm. a cheeky assist as well for the winning goal so well done there to the super headed Josh Coulson because he is our hero of the week well done Josh so next week's fixtures we've only got the one fixture next week as we travel to Scunthorpe United on Saturday the 5th of December Scunthorpe are currently 23rd in League 2 they've only played uh, 12 games this season which is considerably less than the teams around them Um, they weren't in action on Saturday but they play Harrogate away on Tuesday night in their last five games, they've won two, drawn one, and lost two. So, be an interesting fixture. Yeah, as I say, it's nice to not have a Tuesday fixture, which means you've got all week to listen to this podcast. Well, you had all week to listen to this podcast. Didn't have to so rush by Tuesday night. So, time for sponsorship reminders. So, do not forget for the best plastering and rendering crisis around. Visit AJF Plastering on their website or by giving them an email on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. 
So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode number 226. It was a week in which we had another two games winning both as we made it three games unbeaten to move up to sixth in the table. While playing football might not be pretty at times, winning is the most important thing. And also winning while not playing well served as well at times in the 2013-14 season. So maybe a good omen this season. Another tough game coming up this week as we go to Scunthorpe United who are having a tough season but Ross and the team can go there full of confidence and they'll also have the benefit of a full uninterrupted week on the training pitch. So hopefully this time next week we'll still be your happy South Stand chums talking about another away win and three points for the mighty Leighton Orient. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a review. If you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn or Stitcher, add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as they are uploaded. We're also on all smart speakers, so Amazon's, Alexa's, you just shout out, play, you're on out the podcast and they will do so. And if you have an older relative, a loved one, an orient chum, but you think will like the podcast, please remember to get their phone or any device they have, download the podcast for them and remember to pass the pod. So all we can say is a massive thank you to Hector Kiprianu for making his podcast debut. A massive thank you to Danny Macklin and to Luke and Dan for sorting out those interviews and for coming on. And we'll be back with episode 227 next week with all the information and news that you could ever need. We look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, stay safe, have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's. Oh,